Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hope you guys are having a great day, great evening, great week, great weekend, great month, (laughs) great year. And if not, that's all right. We're going to distract you. We're going to put your mind on other things. We're going to do a healthy form of compartmentalization and distraction because um, that's what self-care and coping mechanisms are. Sometimes the world coming at us full force is far more intense than we have the internal mechanisms and, and, and forms of coping to tolerate and deal with. And so we sometimes got to like put a, put a pin in it, come back to it, step outside. Um, I wanted to open the show by talking about a topic that came in through my DMs, actually. I thought it was like a really big question. And the question was, is it possible that I am too broken, too damaged, uh, too traumatized to be someone's partner and to date or, or be in a relationship? And I thought, what an honest question. Um, my, my first my first thought was, I at least love the self-awareness that this question implies. Someone sitting and paying attention and owning who they are and, and caring about the fact that, like I say on the show over and over and over, whenever we're a part of someone's life in whatever capacity, professionally, romantically, sexually, familiarly, whatever it is, we impact them. And really looking at what kind of impact am I, am I having on others? Am I making people's lives harder and worse, more complicated, more toxic, or is my presence enhancing? I want us all to want to be the enhancing option, you know, that, that people walk away from having spent time with you feeling better. Um, so I love that inherently built into the question is I'm tracking this person saying my, 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 my level of functioning and I'm aware that that impacts the lives of those around me. And when I'm in a romantic relationship with someone, uh, especially if it's a primary position or role, right? Exclusive, primary, monogamous, whatever it might be, that then I'm really impacting their functioning and mental health. What are they taking on in, in bringing me into their life? And I want the people to ask that. This would come up a little bit when I ran uh, sex and relationship groups group therapy at a inpatient uh, drug and alcohol and mental health treatment center. And we talk a lot about what are the requirements or that we should expect of ourselves, because we're always looking at ourselves first, that we should look at and expect of ourselves before we start dating. Um, you know, 12 steps has their own little, you know, rigmarole, but I work with psychology, not 12 steps. That's a whole different thought process. And a lot of that stuff is actually problematic and wrong. Um, it's not gotten a lot of updating. And not that I'm anti 12 step. That's great for some people. But it's not right for everyone. 
Some people, it's contraindicated for them. Uh, but for those that are part of that, often they're told you should wait a year before you date. And I used to very lovingly set a great relationship with all my patients at the treatment center. It was really important for me to like, you know, build that. I would say to them, some of you would be ready to date in two weeks, actually. And some of you, you should probably wait five or six years. <laughs> we got some stuff to do. And everyone would lovingly laugh. But I meant what I said. Um, there is no global rubric that will help you determine. And as we've learned from attachment style, that will change based on the person you're with. We also know that in terms of sexual desire and, and um, uh, yeah, I guess sexual desire, where you might be the higher desiring partner if you're with someone who's got a way lower sex drive, but then you might date someone else who's actually higher than you and you're the lower sex drive partner. If you're anxiously attached and you date someone anxiously attached, you're gonna feel great. Maybe because you're both always moving towards each other, very accessible, very reassuring. And um, what some might call clingy is going to feel really great to both of you. Maybe you're dating someone who's securely attached. And again, they're very present. They're very vocal. They're very transparent. They're consistent. No issue. But if you date someone avoidant, your anxious attachment style is going to be front and center. Um, so again, we're, we're relationally created. And that's why I always challenge, you know, mental health diagnoses are metaphors. They're labels to understand. They're not real things. They're different for everyone and they can change. These aren't things that we should adopt as to uh, and make our identity and hold on to them with a tight grip. You know, you might exhibit borderline traits with one partner, but completely none with another because that relationship co-created some borderline. We are co-created relational individuals. We are different within different relationships. They bring out different parts of ourselves because they bring out different parts of ourselves and we co-create with that individual something different. And so our mental health diagnoses can shift, our attachment styles can shift, um, different parts of ourselves we, that we encounter. So when, my, when this individual was bringing up this concept, um, that's what I was thinking about. And I thought, I wish everyone asked themselves that question. Um, how healthy am I to be dated? Because we tend to think about others. You know, I want to date someone who's this tall, makes this much money and blah. It's so <laughs> focused on getting. We are, we are such good consumers in our capitalist American culture where it's always about what's in it for me, what am I getting out of it? And it's always just about ego enhancement and getting and getting and getting. And that's why on the show and in my clinical practice with my patients, I obsessively am always saying things like, Let's assess you first. What kind of partner are you before we look at what kind of partner they are? Let's point the finger at ourselves first. And I said this on the show. I know people are doing good work in the world when they talk about themselves first, when they call themselves out. Hey, Dr. Chris, this is what I've done this week that I'm not proud of. Hey, Dr. Chris, this is what I've done this week that I am proud of. They're self-reflective and introspective first, knowing that they're a part of a system and that before they can point the finger, they have to pay attention to what they're input, inputting in that system. What is their partner up against? Their partner's behavior often makes more sense when we look at what they're up against in and with us. So we have to look at ourselves first as an important factor in these systems. We're going to come back and we're going to keep talking about this, um, you know, the role we play. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Rachel, we are back and uh, we're looking at ourselves. <laughs> Parenting, uh, romantic relationships, sexual relationships, professional relationships, educational relationships, familial relationships. Have I left any out? Social? What have I left out? Anyway, all of them are mirrors being held up where we get to look at ourselves and learn about ourselves. But we don't do that. We tend to want to blame the other person. You do this. <laughs> and we don't look at that. Often the issue is our reactions and our responses, that the event itself is just neutral. Um, often it's more of an annoyance or frustration, and we really don't want to look at ourselves. And um, that's kind of what we're talking about right now is it was born out of this question that was posed where someone very thoughtfully said, am I maybe... Um, not in a place where I should be brought into someone's life and am I dateable? So it's the question of like dateability and, and again, not assessing other people's dateability, which is what we're so great at. Are they the kind of partner I want? And I'm like, first look at yourself. Am I dateable? Should I be brought into someone's life? What do I have to offer someone? What impact would I have on their life? Have I, am I doing my work or am I going to make their life harder by being all these negative attributes? Um, and I want us to pay attention to that. I, we, we never we never talk in those terms. And I don't even think most people would know what to even think about or assess. So I was saying on the earlier segment that when I was running um, sex and relation, healthy sex and healthy relationship groups at this inpatient mental health and drug and alcohol treatment center, uh, I was there for, I think, seven or eight years. It was a really beautiful experience. I, I miss it terribly. Um, great group of individuals. You know, people taking time out of their lives to go inpatient to say, I want to improve. I want to be better. And I really got to work with some amazing individuals that really wanted to do the work. They would take notes. And every week when I showed up, they would be like, all right, Dr. Chris, this is what I was working on. This is what I'm thinking about. Um, many of them entered my individual private practice to continue the work. Really awesome stuff. So any, anyway, shout out to any of those patients if they're listening, miss you guys. Um, never get to really bump into y'all out in the world. It's a bummer. So I had to come up with a quick and dirty uh, process, a quick and dirty, you know, rubric through which to kind of assess like, hey, so let me throw my original quick and dirty rubric or template at you. And this was very much born out of people that were, you know, dealing with recovery from drug and alcohol. So it's a little tailored to that. Um, this, this first question that I posed for us to ask ourselves triggered a few people. And I was like, awesome. Look at why that's really triggering. 
Like that's, remember, let me just throw a little gem in there. Whenever we're triggered by something, it, the, the work in that moment is for us to say, let me learn about myself through this trigger. Because when we get triggered, we tend to problematize the fact that we got triggered. That's what we think the issue is, that you triggered me. I was triggered. I shouldn't be triggered. So whoever or whatever did that, please stop. Well, no, that's not what triggers are about. Triggers are for us to learn where our work is. Triggers are for us to learn about ourselves. Triggers are for us to learn where our wounds are that need healing. So when you get triggered, you should be writing down what it was that happened and what came up for you so you can address and work on that so that you can remove that trigger. We don't want to remove other people from triggering us. We want to remove triggers so they don't exist. We want to be able to move through the world undisturbed by things. That's the work. So my first question, which upset some people, and I'd say to them, great, you're upset. Let's talk about and look at why. What 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 about that was hard for you? Or what did that make you realize? And the first question was, ready for this? To assess whether or not you're dateable or ready to date is, drum roll. First question, are you happy? And people were like, oh, snaps. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. People were like, I don't like that question. You're right, you don't, because you don't think you are. And so you're having to face the fact that maybe you're not ready to date because you're not happy in life. And why is that an important thing? Because our role when being brought into someone else's life is to at least make their life better, if not neutral. And if we are miserable, I'm not victim blaming. I'm not saying it's okay to be miserable. I'm not saying it's not okay to be miserable. Be miserable if you're miserable. Be negative if you're negative. Be angry if you're angry. Be sad, be lonely, be depressed. Those are natural, appropriate, healthy stages at times in our lives. So I'm not saying to shame those things, but I'm saying to at least be healthy enough to identify that that's where you are and that to be dated would to maybe make your life and their life a little harder right now. And it's not, you are not in the ideal mental or mood state to do that. You're not, you're just not in a place to take that on because what also happens when we're not happy is we put that responsibility on our partner as though they're, as though they're responsible for our happiness, as though they're the reason why we're not. But oftentimes we weren't anyway, and we wanted them to fix that. And then they couldn't. And now we're frustrated as well. And that's why I say, if you're generally happy, then you are going to be a gift brought into someone's life. And you're at a good baseline mood to deal with all the conflict and work that comes up when being in a relationship. So for people that are like, well, that's a bummer. You're right, it is a bummer. But then focus on getting to dating readiness by working on whatever you need to work on to resolve your anger, to resolve your loneliness, to resolve your frustration, to resolve your depression, whatever it is. Because that isn't a gift to be brought into someone else's life. And we do need to consider how we impact others. We cannot just look at what we want and what we need. Whenever a client wants to make a disclosure to someone, whatever it is. Hey, honey, I've relapsed. Hey, honey, I've been cheating. Whatever it is, I always say, what's going on in their life? Is this a good time for them to be told that? We don't just drop things in people's lives. We don't just vomit things on people without any concern for what's going on with them, without any concern for whether they're in a place to deal with this. We need to. It's called empathy. And we lack that. We often just want to get things off our chest. We want to get things resolved. And I might say to someone, you're going to have to chill out and you're going to hold that bad behavior because your partner just lost their mom. And this is not the time to tell them information that they don't need to know right now. And then instead I'll say, you need to stop with the cheating and you need to sit with all those feelings until it's a better time to share that with them. A hundred percent. It's mental health. That's what we're talking about. Um, all of that to just point out that we want to think more about how we impact others. So yeah, happiness is a necessary thing that you're living in most of the time. 
And that's how we help decide whether or not we're ready to date. But unfortunately, a lot of people aren't happy in their lives and they really do romanticize or fantasize that dating is the missing thing. If only I had this other person in my life, a romantic partner, I would be happier and better. And that's not true. I promise you, your happiness doesn't increase. Things just are different. Things get better in some ways and they get harder in others. And you're taking on more work and more responsibility. These are not quick fixes, just like having a child. Having a child is often a hand grenade thrown into a marriage. It does not bring distant partners together. All right, we're going to come back, keep talking about this. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and uh, we're talking about dating readiness. And I think it's such an important concept and it was brought forward by a question someone posed to me, essentially asking me that. And uh, I'm just kind of sharing the little bit of a template that I had clients of mine run through when they were uh, patients in a group that I was running at a treatment center. And the first thing I would say to them about dating readiness is, are you happy? Because if not, you're not ready to take on the burden and the emotional labor that a relationship requires. And you're not going to be a really positive asset brought into someone else's life. So I say to them, work on that. I stand by that, whether you all agree or not. Um, so let that be a motivator. So that's the first piece. Then they say, all right, all right. They're like, we got that. What's next? The next one, <laughs> I say, when you have a group of friends. Because if you're not able to form and maintain friendships, you don't have the relational skill set to maintain and form a committed, primary attached relationship. And so I say, start working on building friends. Now, remember, this is something that I was proposing to people that are recovering from a problematic relationship to drugs and alcohol. And so for them, they really did need to learn to practice and build relational skill sets. And I wanted them to focus on friends first. Why? The intensity is far lower. The demand is far lower. The impact is far lower. The conflict is far lower. Friendships are an easier relationship than a romantic primary relationship. Um, it shouldn't be that way. We should treat our primary romantic partners the way we treat our friends, which is letting go a little bit, being looser, not demanding, not having ownership or control. But we don't do that. We tend to step into ownership and control. And control is what damages relationships. So I say start with working on friendships, which are easier, simpler, less demanding, more time and space and uh, start there. And a lot of them realize, wow, I don't know how to keep friends or make friends um, or I don't know how to be a good friend. And I'm like, that's where you should start because it really does matter. And you should pay attention to dating readiness. It shouldn't just be something we, we mindlessly jump into because you are impacting someone else's mental health and um, you're influencing them. Part of why a lot of people aren't good in relationships is because they keep dating people that also aren't good in relationships and no one's challenging anyone to be any better or demonstrating how to be better. I'm still shook and shocked by how much shock and shookness others are throwing at me when I tell them I'm friends with my ex because people are so unaware of how to leave relationships lovingly, maintain some form of connection, hold boundaries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That like, I'm like, oh my God. Like most people are like, I couldn't do that. And I'm like, right, because we haven't been trained or shown how to manage relationships and how we don't do breakups. We should do relational reorganizations where we usher ourselves out of maybe sex and romance and into something more platonic. I don't want to get off on a tangent about that, but my point being is if we can't manage friendships, you're not ready to take on a partnership where you have a more severe impact on them and their mental functioning. And there's more intensity and conflict because of the demands we place upon each other. So 
Again, how do I know I'm ready to date? Number one, when you're generally happy most of the time, and if you're not, go work on that. And number two, when you have and have maintained friends, work on that first. And that becomes for a lot of people work that takes a long period of time. And I'm like, good. And that's why, uh, you know, it's not about waiting a year after a breakup. These are arbitrary numbers. I remember I shared with y'all once that my brother gave me some cuckoo caca, sex in the city based framework of something like however long you're with them, half of that. And I was like, oh my God, stop. Like there's no universal anything. Everyone has a different need and everyone's in a different place. And the studies show over and over that the length of time between relationships is absolutely not what determines the health or success of the next relationship. It's about the mental health of the people involved and how healthy were they? Have they worked on themselves? And for some people, they go right into a new relationship and they thrive and have sustainability because they're generally healthy. And there's a good reason why the last relationship ended. Relationships ending aren't a sign of failure of the people or the relationship unless you're not proud of how you ran it, which is the case for most people. But I work really hard to be a good partner. I'm proud of how I ran my relationships. So they're not a failure. It just wasn't able to go any further. We weren't compatible enough. There were, there were some things that weren't ideal but no one's to blame and it's not a failure. That was a success. It did what it was meant to do. Is it a failure that the movie ends? No, because movies are only meant to be two hours or whatever the heck it is. Is it a failure that the art show or the summer ends? No, those things are only meant to be in our lives for a period of time. That's the case with some relationships. Not every relationship is meant to be forever, but we ridiculously determine the worth of things based on the length of time they're in our lives. And it's like, no, vacations aren't forever. We get new cars when the cars aren't able to take us from point A to point B anymore. We leave relationships and friendships when we've outgrown them or our needs are different. Those aren't bad things and those aren't failures. So again, it's about us and what kind of person we are and what kind of relationship we co-create. So again, work on being able to have friends first, work on being happy first. Those are the key factors. And then the other piece I will share with you after we uh, come back and do a DM. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a tease. The third piece, the third and missing piece. Um, let me come back when to do some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions you got, someone else might have it as well. So you're helping them as you're helping yourself. Also, Topics you want us to hit, things maybe you want us to circle back to and drop deeper into, put them in there as well. And past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, Rachel, we're back and uh, it's time to drop a little bit of gems. That's right. Our new gem dropping segment. We're dropping gems around date night. We're getting quick and dirty with it. Uh, we're not spending the whole show talking about this. Don't worry though. We'll be doing DMs again at the end of the show. So we'll be answering all your questions. Just got to hang in there for that. Um, date night. They should be just like sex dates. Some long, some quick. The long ones are the ones that you're familiar with. I mean, we did an entire show on this, so we're just kind of dropping these gems quickly, but extended ones are the ones that take more time, maybe more money. And, uh, you know, those are the ones that we try to do weekly, ideally, fingers crossed, but if not at least monthly or every other week, fingers crossed. Cause remember, if you don't have time for your social life, if you don't have time for your relationship, don't have time for your family, friends, hobbies, then you're living a life of burnout and you got your priorities wrong. 
Now, for some of us though, we gotta squeeze in some of those quickies. Date night quickies are awesome. They can happen every night or once a week. Only has to be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, it's free. It's just about time together and shared experiences. Turn off the phones, turn off the TV, sit and just hold hands and talk. Hey honey, how was your day? Come sit over here. Or let's go sit outside, let's go for a walk. We can even cook together. It can be an activity, 10 or 15 minutes. We're not talking about triggering conflictual things. We're not talking about the kids, not talking about anything stressful. It's really rooted in gratitude and celebration for each other and us. Maybe make it a ritual where you share things that you enjoyed about each other, share things you hope for with each other, but it should be things that are bonding and bring us together, which then moves us to the next piece. It has to be things that are shared experience. You're gonna hear a lot of that. I'm gonna talk a lot about that, but also allows for eye contact. So it's not a proper date if we can't see each other and access each other. I'm talking a lot more about accessibility because we've gotten a little too familiar accepting if as long as our bodies are near each other that somehow we're meeting these qualities and, and, and a date and intimacy has been built and that is not true. So remember, it's just about reminding ourselves we care about each other and that's what happens when we prioritize. It's also about showing ourselves we can enjoy each other. Every time we talk, it doesn't have to be about a, tr a topic that's triggering or uncomfortable. So we're normalizing that association that when I see or I spend time with you, it can feel good. And a lot of couples need that corrective experience because for some couples, the only time they're together is at night when they're tired after a long day. And that's when they have to talk about budgeting, job issues, things with the kids, and it doesn't feel good. And then we don't always feel good when we're around our partner. And so these date nights, whether long or short, are how we start to have that corrective experience and realize, wow, we are fun. Wow, you are fun. And so what should be centered is joy and fun and laughter. Go for ice cream, go for a walk, sit outside, cook together, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you're working on that core friendship because the studies show over and over that the most important quality of long-term, happy and sustainable relationships is friendship. And what that really means is actually like you, actually enjoy spending time with you. I'm actually happy when we get alone time. And for those that haven't had that in a long time, we first, like I said, build it in by making that time about celebration, gratitude, and appreciation. Now the shadow side of that, the dark side is, if what I just said is something one of you is not willing to do, or you don't have time for it, or you can't imagine it going well because you will fight because you always fight or you don't have anything to share that's gratitude based for each other, then you have a bigger problem and it's time for you to get into some couples therapy, talk out what the issues are or it's time to release and move on. So that's why it's really important. If you can't even schedule these and pull these off successfully, then it's an indicator that you have more work to do. And so that's, well, that's, that's the darker side of that. So make meaning out of that. Um, okay, if you got a DM for us, we're gonna be doing that later in the show. DMs are questions you got, you're helping others out as you're helping you out because whatever you're wondering about, someone else might be as well, always confidential, always anonymous. Might be a topic you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back and drop deeper into. Put that in the DMs as well on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of the show because it's all about what? Repetition unlearning things we've learned and relearning them with better perspectives. It's a practice. So go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen and share. Lots of good stuff. And while you're over there, uh, check out some of the other the show, uh, check out some of the other shows we've got. Um, but we'll be back. We got more to come. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline. 
with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Don't go anywhere because we will be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about essentially dating readiness, um, but more, more really through the lens of how do I know that I'm ready to date, which I guess is dating readiness, because I was saying earlier in the show that someone proposed this question to me of, am I, am I too broken or damaged to date? And my answer was maybe. <laughs> I don't give global mistruths and say, oh, well, no, well, because no, there are some people who have a lot of work to do before you could have a positive influence on someone else's life by being brought into it. But I'm going to put like a little bit of a surprise twist on it. Um, honestly, having said everything I said and still standing by it, because we have to you know, live within the reality of the, how the world's constructed. If you're not thinking you're ready to date, make sure you're ready to also be a friend. Because sometimes it's a lot of the same skill sets. So I'm not saying if you're not ready to date, you're not ready to be a friend, get rid of all of them or, you know, go hide out on an island under a rock. But I am saying really start doing that work because some of the traits that you're seeing in yourself that might not have been ideal as a partner romantically might also be the same things that are getting in the way of your friendships, which is why I say if you don't have friends and can't maintain them, you're not ready to be a romantic primary partner because it's actually a harder skill set to be a good romantic partner. Friendship is easier because the expectations are lower. We, we, we are cool with you having a multitude of friends. We're not trying to own as much, although some people apply that's sad. Um, we, we, we allow more time and space. We're just more giving and forgiving than we are with primary partners. Um, that's based on the attachment system and also this really gross ownership control model that we think you're mine and I can weigh in on how you look and what you wear and where you go and who your friends are. That's not true. That's a toxic form of relationship. Um, relationships are not about control. Um, they're not about your, your comfort. Healthy relationships are about you're focusing on the happiness of your partner and whatever they need and whatever makes them happy, you're happy to support. That's, that's the model is I want my presence to be positive. So if you're happy, I'm happy. And if you, even if it puts me out, I'm still here in service of your happiness. You're in my care and it's, I'm not going to have you try to live your life around my comfort. Um, and you know, I'm going to be good for you, but that's not how people tend to do it. But anyway, I don't want to digress. Um, so we were talking about dating readiness is really about, you know, you're generally happy. Great. You're getting your needs met. You're not gonna put that on the other person and they'll be happy and your gift being brought in. Then you have friends, you're able to maintain them and keep them. Awesome. We're doing really good. Final piece I generally say is you have purpose and meaning in your life because that falls under the same things we're talking about. Otherwise, um, you're not necessarily living of the life you're meant to lead or life that you're happy leading. And not only will you maybe put that or project that onto your partner, not only will that be something they'll be kind of having to deal with and bump up against, but part of what allows us to let our partners live their lives is when we're happily living ours. But I think that that's a call to action for anyone. Like that's a major mental health part. That's also part of the discussion of, you know, what leads to happiness is, is your life rooted in purpose and meaning? Or is your life conformist or authoritarian? Which are the two positions most people take. So ready for this one? Most people, when they try to make decisions, usually unconsciously, um, around what job or whether to go to school or what school or what to wear or whatever it is, they're usually falling into one of those two camps, conformist or authoritarian. So conformist is, I'm gonna do what everyone else is doing. Everyone graduate high school went to college, so I'm gonna just do it too. I'm not even gonna think about other options or ideas, I'm just mindlessly doing it. There's nothing wrong with 
doing what other people are doing. The problem is if you're doing it mindlessly. I'd rather people realize I have choices, I've looked at all of them, and I've consciously decided what's right for me. That's the better position, not what everyone else is doing it. But that's what we intend to do. We wear what everyone else is wearing. We just take the job that you know everyone else is maybe taking or that other people have taken as a result of the degree we got, whatever it is. Nonetheless, conformity-based. The other position is authoritarianism, which is we do what people tell us to do. I have a family member who wasn't necessarily interested in going into a line of, um, was not interested in going into a specific profession. And they would tell me that they wanted to do the work I'm doing, but their parents wanted them to go into a certain industry because the parents felt secure and confident in that. So that's bad parenting. Because parenting should be about what does this child need? How do I help this child become the person they're meant to be and want to be? And how do I not raise my child in service of my needs and my ego what makes me comfortable? That's also how adult partnership should be. So this family member went the way of authoritarianism and did what their parents wanted them to do and stepped into a career that wasn't what they wanted. Um, so most people conform or they you know do what they're told and the other version, the healthy version of all that is mindfully looking at all your options and deciding authentically what's right for you. But very few people do that. And so they live lives that feel oppressive, that feel void of meaning and purpose uh, because they're just going through the motions and playing the game. And there's no purpose and meaning. There's no value for their day. So they wake up and they're like, oh, and that's part of what the Sunday scaries are. They're looking forward at a week where you don't feel in control. You feel hopeless, you feel helpless, and it's not what you want to do. So if you have the Sunday scaries, that's actually communication. I'm not living the life I want to lead. And can I change my career? Can I change the way I'm in my career? Can I you know, ask to work from home so I actually have a life? Can I ask to work less hours? Can I work in a different department around different people? Maybe I need to change the whole game. I don't know, but the Sunday scaries is a sign of the week ahead is not what you're looking forward to and not right for you. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about dating readiness. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and uh, talking about dating readiness, what that means, what that looks like. And all this is born out of a really simple question. Someone asked me that it's actually quite deep and quite complex about, hey, how do I know when I'm ready to date? Am I too broken to date? So the answer is, you know, I think in terms of time and space, uh, right now, based on what's going on in your life and where you are, yes, it might not be ideal for you to step into the complexity and um, and all the work that relationships take. And you might not be in a place in your life where you're really going to benefit someone else by being brought into their life. And I think that that's a healthy thing to acknowledge. In fact, we have to be able to acknowledge that. Same thing if you're like maybe thinking about having children is this a great time for me to bring a child into my life and for me to bring myself into a child's life? If I'm tired, cranky, angry, and burnt out, I'm going to be a horrible freaking parent. Imagine what that child's existence is going to be like to be around all that, which is why children shouldn't have to be a part of a miserable marriage. Uh, children are better off being with two separate parents or two separate families if they're happy than being around someone miserable and depressed. And so, yeah, children don't want to be around that. And so get some therapy, get some help, or take a step aside. Yeah, 100%. And humans, adults, actually are that way as well. So what are, so we push this forward though. We were talking about what we have to look for to determine readiness. 
And I was saying, uh, it's about happiness. Are you generally happy? And if you want to understand more about that, go to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line and click on it. You can go back and re-listen. Happiness is the first one. Uh, then we talked about the fact that you have to have and maintain friendships. And we talked about why that's important, what that says, what that does. Uh, and then we talked about the fact that you're living a life of purpose and meaning. Because again, it's we're creating this this container, this space in which someone's going to be brought in. Let's make sure it's a good one. Um, and then I always, always, always say, and I've said this on the show many times before, that also make sure you've journaled and done some work around a dating history. Looking back at all your prior relationships, I have my clients map it out, write the person's name on a chronology, like a straight line or however you want to break it down, but they write these people's names out and we explore what kind of partner were you to that person? We don't look at what did the person do to you? What kind of partner were they to you? No, we don't have control over that. That was them. They brought that in. That's their work. God bless. Go with God. But for my client, my patient in front of me, I say to them, let's look at your role. What, what were the things you did as a partner that you're proud of? Let's make sure we continue to build upon that and maintain that. We do the inverse. What are the things looking at each of these relationships you're part of that you aren't proud of, that you have the capacity to do, that moving forward we want to keep an eye on and track so as to not recreate that or bring that again into a relationship. Make sure you've done that process fearlessly and courageously, looked at who you are, what you have the capacity to do as a relational being. That's also a mandatory piece. So the first three things I listed earlier in the show, the happiness, the friends, and the purpose and meaning, those are those are qualities. Those are those are, yeah, those let's just call them qualities. Now I'm tacking on an assignment, an introspective, reflective assignment to really look at what kind of partner you are. Now we can also branch that out and look at all your relationships. What kind of friend are you? There's learning in that. What kind of family member are you? There's learning in that. Um, and we also look at each relationship and say, what were the core conflicts? And how can we problem solve by looking at what were the core conflicts? Like, why did that relationship end? Because that's a really powerful question. It's both why and how. The why helps us establish core conflicts that we want to resolve, right? The how is also important because that helps us understand your level of mental health. Do you believe that because you're disappointed and frustrated and things are ending that you no longer have to live from integrity and, um, your value system, like how we exit a relationship says a lot about us. And as I said on the show, it's a little secret trick you have in your pocket when you're on a date and you're assessing the health of someone else, you find a really appropriate way to socially say, oh, how did that go? How did it end? To really see what kind of human being you have before you. Just like everyone says, pay attention to how your date treats the service workers to understand if they have respect for everyone or if they think that there are some people that just aren't worthy of respect, which is really gross, but also, I want you to understand how they exit difficult situations because that might be at some point and that matters. How someone deals with adversity and deals with conflict tells us the most because that's hardest. How they are when things are going well doesn't really matter. It's really easy when things are easy. <laughs> it's easy to be on our good behavior when we're happy and content and everything's going the way we want. So that's like the, the final piece of your own self-reflection because again, we're assessing our dating readiness. We're not looking at how ready is this other person. But that's what most of the articles are about. The, most of the articles are, is your partner a narcissist? That's why I did a whole show on, are you a narcissist? They, date, they look at, is this person dateable? And I'm saying, first we should ask, are we dateable? What's our level of readiness? We don't like to take that position uh, first. And I think that's the most important one. So what you might ask, do you make of all of this? If you're already married for two decades, already in a relationship, well, you still wanna work on those things. 
working on your level of happiness, working on your maintenance of friendships, working on living in purpose and meaning because you're still in a relationship and this person is still impacted by you. This isn't just about singledom before we date. This is also now about those that are already in there. Work on this stuff. Look at what you're proud of as a partner thus far. Also look at what you're not proud of as a partner thus far. And if you're coming up with no answers, I'm even more scared. If you say, I have a lot of things I'm proud of, nothing I'm not proud of, I'm nervous, I'm worried, because that's not possible. No one's perfect. And if you can't even call yourself out, then you're never gonna be healthy enough for your partner to go to you saying, hey, there's some things I'm struggling with. Can we talk about some changes we each need to make? Because that's a mandatory part of being in a relationship, that you will be open to receiving loving requests about things that we need to work on. We are accepting our partners as they are. We're not criticizing, but we have to be able to do relational check-ins, which I've talked about, where we sit down and say, how's this been going? What needs to change? What work do we need to do? And then we do that. That's, that's necessary. It's like having a plant. Does it need more sunlight or less sunlight? Do we need to water it more or water it less? Do we need to put it somewhere else? <clears throat> we're always paying attention to the things that are in our care and our partners are. Um, all right, we're gonna come back and keep talking about this, but uh, DMs will be how we close out the show. So if you got a question for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to. And um, as I said, past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it, but don't go anywhere. We're coming back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, Rachel, we're back and we're finishing up our discussion of dating readiness and just really looking at how are we, are we prepared? Are we ready for, you know, stepping into all this learning and reflection and conflict? Um, we are just talking about all the different things we need to consider. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. One of the things I talk a lot about on the show is the values and ethics and really focusing on what are they and how to live from them. Excuse me. And it's one of the things that one author whose work I was looking at was talking a lot about is that I, I was talking personally about reflecting backwards on, you know, who we've been and what we've been through to better understand what our work is. Um, but another author was saying, yeah, doing all that, but also doing that to assess your goals and your values and making sure that those are the ones you're living in. And I always think that that's a really good um, compass or guide is to kind of bring that in because that helps us decide minute by minute how to be. Um, because sometimes when we talk about, you know, who were you that you're proud of? Who were you that you're not proud of? And really tracking that, sometimes that's more global or macro. It doesn't really help us in the moment make decisions as to how to manage or handle something. And so if we have a closer relationship and accessibility to our ethics and our values, that's really what we turn to to help us decide. Because we culturally live very mood dependent. If I'm angry, I'm going to act angry. If I'm, you know, happy, I'm going to act happy. But mental health is really about acknowledging the feelings you have, but not having to act from them saying, yeah, I'm angry, but I'm actually going to live from my values. So I'm not going to smack my dog. There's a, there's a, there's a distinction between the two, but unhealthy people, they act from what they feel. I'm angry. So I'm going to scream and they actually normalize it. Well, I'm angry. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean you act from it. Be angry, acknowledge you're angry. We're not suppressing or, or illegitimizing emotions, but I still expect you to act from your ethics and values, which is be a kind human being. But we don't realize that we have to learn how to work with our minds and separate those two. And so the development of what do I want to be guided by? What is my mission statement? Again, is one that's left underdeveloped in our culture. I wish every therapist would spend some time with every patient saying, what's your mission statement as a person, as a partner, as a parent? Um, what are your ethics and values so that we can make sure that those are the ones you're living and you're guided by? 
that's what that's the rubric that helps you make decisions as you move through the day and the week and the month and the year in your life. Um, so I think that's an important part. Otherwise, you're kind of winging it and it's going to be based on your mood. Some days you're in a, a crappy mood, so you're going to act crappy. But that's not acceptable. Not when you're in relationships. Be better. Be better. You are guided by your values. If your values are not to cause harm and to live from compassion, well, then I expect to see that even when you're angry and even when you're happy. So there's got to be some work around that. And I bring that up every now, and on, every now and then on the show to really get people going, hmm, I wonder what mine are. Have I sat and thought about that? But I also think journaling is a really great thing to do and to check in every week saying, what do I need to work on this week? Like, what have I been doing great at? What have I not? And just tracking yourself. Um, Eastern philosophy has this concept of the observing ego, this part of ourselves that's always witnessing ourselves. And that's our self-esteem and our conscience. And we can't have self-esteem if we're not living in a way that's worthy of self-esteem. So if you're like, I don't have good self-esteem, well, are you living in a way that is worthy of that? Are you spending time around healthy people that are um, reflecting that back to you, that you have worth and value and celebrating you? Because that's also a part of this. Are you in relationships with people that devalue you? Well, that might be part of why. Or do you devalue them? That might be part of why. Um, our self-esteem never lets us off the hook. It's always that observing ego that's always with us. So that's kind of how we harness and work better with that. But that I think is a very underdeveloped um, aspect of really just kind of being a healthy adult in the world. So ask yourself those questions. And it's okay to realize maybe you're not ready for a relationship um, and to take some time and to heal. Maybe you're already in one and you realize I need to really put the pedal to the metal and do some work, get into some therapy, start journaling, start applying the skills that we talk about here on Loveline, uh, read some books. I think everyone should always be in the middle of reading some kind of book that's philosophical or self-help in some capacity. There's a lot of crappy ones out there, so make sure it's a good one, but I think we should always be reading things that are stimulating that kind of personal consciousness. Um, you're not gonna get it from music, television, and sports. You're not. Um, and those things aren't meant to provide that, but if you're journaling and you're reading things and you're being self-reflective, um, listening to shows like this, that's, that's how we get there. Uh, we have to borrow and internalize that. These aren't things that we inherently are, are born with. Um, the work never ends. So I'm always horrified when no one's doing, when someone's not doing the work at all. I think that's an important question. If we want to talk about what to ask other people is how do you work on yourself? How do you, you know, what kind of mental health work do you do? You know, I can, I can see your, you know, all your shirtless pictures on Tinder. So I can see your, you know, at the gym working on your body, but like, can you share with me what you do to work on your spirituality or your mental health? Cause that's not visible. That's not aesthetically based, you know? Um, that's a hard part. Sometimes you got to spend time with someone to see the absence or lack thereof that. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's any questions you got. We're helping others as we're helping you. So uh, always anonymous and confidential. Someone else might be wondering the same thing. So put those questions in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Also put in there some topics you want us to cover, things maybe you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, and past episodes of the show always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen and share because again, it's always about da, 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 unlearning and then relearning better skills and then taking it out into the world and practicing it because the quality of our life is tied directly to the quality of our practice, right? So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, so don't go anywhere. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I recently started talking to this girl. <laughs> I've known her for about four years, but we had very little contact, mostly just Instagram back and forth. See, I love Instagram for things like that. You can meet people around the world. You never know. Now we've started talking and it's like we've known each other for years. Well, you have four of them, you said. <laughs> You've known her for four years, so yeah. Pro the problem is, this is the problem with online dating and apps. The problem is that she's 2,000 miles away. That's far. I know it seems insane, but can you really fall in love with someone over the phone? Sure, you can fall in love with someone by looking at them once. Look, there's no rules to love. Your brain and body don't care about social norms and values. Children can fall in love. We all have the capacity to fall in love at all different times of our lives. No one can tell you what's real love and what's not real love. It doesn't work like that. It's a different experience for all of us. Sure, of course you can. People mourn the loss of someone they've never met. They, they mourn the loss of celebrities and sports figures because they've spent a lot of time with them in their head. And we build these literal or fantastical relationships. But your brain doesn't know the difference. It just knows that you've attached that you spend a lot of time with them, theoretically or literally. Your brain and nerve and nervous system don't follow rules. They don't care about all these odd things we throw in the way, like age gap relationships. They're too old for you. Your, your brain and body don't care about that. It doesn't live in that world. So sure, if that's just your question, yeah, you could absolutely fall in love with someone. You've been talking to her for four months, you said. You've looked at photos. You have a fan, you're projecting. There's fantasy. There's also some reality because you've spoken a little bit. That's all it takes to really form love. So yes, let's go to a different question. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, what is one thing that couples go to therapy for the most? Or top three issues that they want to discuss with you? I'm wondering if the issue that me and my husband are having is common or if it's just something he and I need to work on alone. 
But again, why does that matter? If you and him have an issue, go to therapy and work on it. You don't, <laughs> there's no wrong reason to go to therapy and you don't have to only go if it's within the top three most sought out issues. That's the worst reason to go or not go. Go because you want to go. I love the patients in my practice. They come in to work on all sorts of stuff. Someone come in and say, I don't even know what I want to work on. I just want to connect with a mental health practitioner and talk through my life. I'm like, great. Other people have very targeted things. Often the goals change as we unpack and dig around and stuff. So there's no right or wrong reason ever. So whatever your reason is, go for it. Having said that, the main reason is most people come in literally or indirectly somehow saying, am I normal? I want to be normal. I want to be liked. I want to feel desirable. And, I, and a lot of the work is authenticity and liberation, that there is no normal. Normal is not the goal. The, the, the goal is to just be more confident in who you are authentically. Good mental health therapy is making you authentically you. We're not making you conform. We're not making you assimilate. We're not trying to squeeze you into diagnostic boxes. We're not trying to make you normal. We're trying to make you confident in you being you and all the beautiful, creative, diverse, queer ways that you exist. Um, so that's number one issue. Am I normal? The other ones fall under, I just want to be happy. I want to find purpose and meaning in my life or I'm not happy with what's going on and there's no purpose and meaning in my relationship or my work. So there's a lot of that identity and their role in life. But then with couples, high conflict, high conflict is a major one. So is low to no sex drive or sexuality was never there or it's drifted. Um, those are the, those are the big ones. And then after that is some of the, uh, trust and infidelity stuff. So if you fall in all that, cool. And if you don't, cool. If you fall in all that, get in a therapy. And if you don't fall into that, still get in a therapy. I think my favorite patients are the ones where they're there for these diverse queer reasons that aren't standard. And, uh, you know, I'm a resource for whatever they bring in. Not every therapist is going to be right for you. So you do want to check their credentialing and training. Um, but because not everyone's really healthy enough as a therapist to work with sexuality and gender. Some of them will pathologize creative different things. And some of them will use these made up terms like sex addiction and love addiction. So be very thoughtful. If it's around sex or relationships, I'd see a certified sex therapist, a CST, and that's through ASECT. Um, but outside of that, yeah, just checking on the therapist. Are you comfortable and willing to work with this topic? What's your experience in working with this topic? Uh, do you have any training or supervision around this topic? Um, actually, in the back of my book, Rebel Love, I give you the 10 points if you're looking for a healthy sex positive therapist. So get my book, Rebel Love, and it's in the back, the you know signs of a sex positive therapist. So if it's sex-based, look for that one. That's a great question though, you know. but I would say just get in there no matter what. It seems like there's something you wanna work on. Something's on your mind and your relationship will be better for it. So will you. All right, y'all, I've got a DM for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into. Past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for Loveline and click on it. Y'all, thanks for hanging out with me. Be kind to yourselves and those around you. As always, have a good rest of your night and uh, join me tomorrow. Good night, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.